I'm Lara Land, somatic coach and yoga teacher trainer, and this is the Beyond Trauma podcast. What a couple of years we have had. The challenges continue to grow, and more and more of us are experiencing some level of traumatic stress. My commitment here is to bring you the most up-to-date insights on exactly how trauma affects our mind-body-spirit system and how we can work with our bodies to soften its impacts. You will be hearing from trauma survivors and researchers, and together, we are going to incorporate what they have to teach us to heal ourselves and promote the well-being of all those around us. Here we go. It's out! The Essential Guide to Trauma-Sensitive Yoga is now available everywhere books are sold. This is the book for every yoga teacher, studio, and practitioner who wants to incorporate an inclusive practice to yoga. It's available on my website, laraland.us, and everywhere books are sold. If you're loving this podcast, you are going to love this book. Welcome back, everyone. I have a juicy one for you today. This one's going to resonate with a lot of you. And so, you know, maybe be ready before you listen to it. Um, We are talking today about some of the not so pleasant, some of the trauma inducing and triggering events that can happen within a yoga teacher training. And unfortunately, this is not the exception. This is something that happens quite often. And I know because many people come to me with their stories. Many, many people come to talk to me. They come to do the trauma-informed yoga teacher training um, to sort of reprogram themselves after. They invite me to their yoga studios to lead trauma-informed yoga teacher trainings to kind of quote unquote, fix their studios. It's uh, very common. And it came up in conversation with a friend of mine, a woman that I was able to share trauma-informed yoga teacher training with and who's doing some volunteer work for my nonprofit. And I invited her to come on the show and talk about her experience, which she does very candidly, very beautifully. Even if you're not a yoga teacher, but you've ever been in these group settings where they're asking you to share and you don't really feel like it's an ask, (laughs) like you kind of feel obligated. You know, this is one to listen to because I think hopefully it helps you realize you're not alone in this and what to do or say the next time to maybe avoid these kind of circumstances. I also share some exciting projects coming up, a little secret project that Michelle and I have been working on and some other, you know, insights. So I think this is going to be a really enjoyable one for many of you. Michelle Lehrman is a certified 200-hour and trauma-informed yoga instructor who has been teaching in New York City since 2016. She currently teaches at Crunch Yoga and Spin and Sacred Space Astoria. Shout out to both of those places, which we talk about having really positive experiences at. I did a book reading at Sacred Space. They are one of the few really, really sacred and special spaces. Um, And Crunch too, who actually has reached out to partner with the nonprofit. So doing some really good work. She also works at Lionheart Health and with private clients. Before transitioning into teaching, Michelle spent over 10 years at Broadway Artists Alliance, a musical theater training program for kids. Too bad we didn't talk about that, Michelle, another time. She's also a Reiki practitioner, and Michelle lives in New York with her Yorkie, Apollo. Lots of good stuff in this episode. Like I said, let me know 
if you get something from it. And here we go. So hi, Michelle. Hi, Lara. <laughs> I'm glad that uh, we had some time to get together yes. and appreciate you. you making oh, yeah. some time for this. Thank yeah. you for having me. I'm so excited to to chat. Yeah, this came about really organically. It did. And where, you know, we were having a little bit of side conversation back and forth on email about some things that you've seen and experienced in the yoga world. And I was like, Mm -hmm. okay, I have to bring you on the podcast (laughs) yeah, Um, because this is probably an overdue conversation for us to be having on this podcast. So thank you. I know that some of the things we might talk about may be a little bit vulnerable. And Mm -hmm. I know you've expressed that you're ready to talk about things, but of course, if anything feels like too much, we can pause. We I will can let you know. <laughs> yeah, I know you will. So I appreciate that. So yeah. yeah, let's start by letting, maybe you can tell people how we know each other. Absolutely. And, yeah. So we know each other because I did your trauma-informed yoga training, uh, your teacher training last year. June. So like full disclosure, that's how we know each other. <laughs> and it's the, the three and a half acres yoga. Yes, the three and a half acres yoga. Training, yeah. So it was the first training I had actually done since my 200 hour, which was in 2016. And we'll get into it. <laughs> that's why I'm here. <laughs> yes. But the, my 200 hour was a fairly traumatic experience. So I was very skeptical about doing any kind of training with anybody. But I found the trauma sensitive training to be like exactly, exactly what I needed. I didn't know a a teacher training could be like gentle. Mm. And so the reason we've gotten to chatting is because I was very fortunate to be given a partial scholarship for the training. And so as such, I have some volunteer hours to do and you needed some administrative stuff, which is where I shine. So we've been going back and forth, uh, working on that together, which is how we got to talking about this. And I'm grateful for the opportunity to talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. So some exciting things coming up. I mean, that yes. that training <laughs> that you did, that um, online, um, it's a it's actually about 20 hours now. I think it's about 15. Yeah. And- it was 20 hours when I, I think it was yeah. 20 when I did yeah, it. Yeah. It's probably about 15 that are like live or maybe even like around 12 to 15 that are like live. And then mm-hmm. there's some bonus teachers and there's some observation and feedbacks yeah. and stuff. So we're doing that again, the beginning of February. And then you and I are working on Excellent. the secret project. Yes, the <laughs> well, secret we project. can share the secret project that we're, that I'm in the process of releasing an on-demand trauma-informed yoga teacher Yay. training program. All the units that you can, you know, enjoy at your own pace with the PDFs and reflection questions and journal questions and so on. So folks can look forward to that hopefully in the spring. Yes, <laughs> we're, big, we're working really hard. <laughs> we're working hard, but yeah, but getting back to you. So that's, yes. that's um, awesome that, you know, you shared that your actual 200 hour training was traumatic. Yes. This is really unfortunate, right? And honestly- It's also common. Yes, that's exactly what I was going to say. Just so- so common. So many people come to me because they've been just like hurt by their by their trainings. Mm-hmm. And um, so I'm hearing that a lot. And I've even had folks that have been through the training ask me to go back and do a training at the studio mm-hmm. that the, did their 200 hour to yeah. like help get the studio trauma informed. So so what happened as much as you know you're you're yeah. wanting to share with us? So the first thing I'll say 
is that to get ready to have our conversation today, last night I took out my teacher training manual that I haven't touched in, let's see, I did my training in 2016. I probably haven't touched this since 2017 because one of the things we wanted to talk about was sort of like nonsense methodology. And I had honestly blocked a lot of it out. So I took my training manual out last night, opened it, started looking through, and it was super triggering. I did not sleep well. I have had just like a knot in my stomach since I opened this book last night. I'm thinking I may actually get rid of it instead of putting it away because I don't think there's anything in here that I need anymore. I'm not going to say the name of the studio where I trained, but I will say that it was a Baptiste affiliate studio. Okay. So a lot of the training that I got, even though I am not a Baptiste certified teacher, was just like memorizing and learning a like a scripted sequence that they call journey into power and this isn't anything i'm saying isn't like specific to the training i did if you go into any baptiste book any baptiste program you will see the same information so it's not specific to the training that i did so it's basically like a scripted sequence that you learn that's called journey into power and it is drilled into you it can be a 90-minute sequence. That, that's how it's taught. Or a 60-minute sequence. We learned how to teach it in 60. The poses themselves are like, whatever. Do I think it's smart sequencing in terms of what your body is warm for at the beginning of a practice? I don't. I don't teach the sequence anymore. You know, some of it makes sense. And it, it's just yoga poses. So it's not like there's anything in here that is specific to that school of yoga other than the sequence in which you do it, but it is truly like drilled into you. But the thing that I really went back to look at, because I could probably still teach that sequence without having to look at it, because you know how like when you're in nursery school and the way you learn your songs is just repetition, you do it so many times that by the time you get to your little graduation at the end of the year, you all just know it. It's kind of like that. Like I could probably sing you my nursery school graduation song right now. I won't. (laughs) (laughs) But the methodology, like a lot of it just doesn't make sense. It's it's like a word salad. I don't know if you have ever heard the podcast a little bit culty, but they talk about word salad quite a lot. And it's the only term I could think of that would make sense here. So like there's the five elements of true north alignment There's the five organizing principles of true north alignment, three themes of Baptiste yoga, 10 tenets of teaching Baptiste yoga. There is a, uh, the 12 laws of transformation. That's part of their like 40 days to personal revolution program. And this all just got like drilled in. So instead of learning more about chakras and the yoga sutras and the, even like anatomy, anatomy and physiology was one weekend in a three-month period. So instead of learning all of that stuff, these things were just drilled into us. Like, I don't use any of it anymore. Like, the three... Like, I have this manual in front of me because I truly have blocked it out. The three themes of Baptiste yoga are be a yes, give up what you must, and come from you are ready now, which is just a sentence that doesn't make any sense. And so where all this methodology kind of came into play and why the training I think was not healthy, there's a lot of like inquiry work and like, obviously there's going to be personal inquiry in any kind of training. At times it was like the kind of thing where there probably should have been a mental health professional 
Mm. Like they were asking us to, they would call it generous sharing, but you would need to, like there would be journal prompts. You would write things down and then you would have to share them with somebody else in the room. Like you would either get partnered up or you would have to stand up and share with everybody. And I'm lucky that in my life, I like, I, I don't have like deep trauma. Nothing happened to me as a child. I've not had any issues with abuse. Like I'm lucky in that sense, but like some people did have those things and I don't understand why those things needed to be part of the yoga teacher training. Like I didn't need to know about other people's deep trauma that they were being forced to share, by the way, like nobody was coming in hot, like I'm ready to talk about all of my drama. So there was that aspect of it. And then there were some times where you would share with a partner and they would nominate you to share with the group. There was not really ever an opportunity to say like, Hey, I'm really not comfortable with this. And I would also find myself at times being like, I actually don't really, you know how there are days where you sit down and like, you know, you're working on creating a program. I'm sure there are days you sit down to write and it's just, I don't actually have the capacity to do this today. Yeah. There was no freedom there. So I found myself a lot of the time just being like, or just writing down anything. And then it would become a thing because I had to share it with the group. Yes. I I just want to pause for a minute, uh, you know, just to kind of go over what you're saying here, because it's it's pretty intense what you're describing. You know, Um, some people may not realize like, okay, so you had to write some things and share. But, you know, you're in a group, you're, you know, you sign up to do this training. These trainings cost thousands of dollars, right? You enroll in the training and what you're describing you set aside all of this time to do the training like it's you put over, it exactly the schedule right it's a yeah. huge chunk of your life it's a huge commitment you've you've signed up for it you know michelle a lot of people come to me actually this happened just last night this is almost a daily thing i get emails of people asking me what yoga teacher training should i take Mm-hmm. And I always tell him, like, I will not answer that question for you. I won't um, either. And I, I encourage people, please make sure if, you know, if it's affiliated with the studio, which they all used to be, now they're more and more they're not. But before you dive into doing a training, go practice with the teacher. Yeah. You know, really understand the culture because they are not one size fits all. Mm-hmm. And you really want to know like, what's the vibe? Who are the people that are attracted to this mm-hmm. teacher and this training? Because like you said, it's a huge chunk of your time. And then often it goes on further because these trainings have become so specific where like you're you know, saying about these training where you can only teach that style at that studio. You know, no one else will hire it. They in kind of trap you. Yeah. You know, you can't just go and teach at another studio or another place unless it's that style. And a lot of times studios make up their own style so you can only teach for them mm-hmm. and you can only teach these community or subclasses because you've not been teaching long. Right. So you get stuck with like, no, you've now put all this money out and you have no job opportunities. It's a lot. It's a lot. Yeah. So you're so, you're in this. Yeah. yeah. So what I will say is I had been practicing at this studio since it opened. So it wasn't like I just happened upon, I don't know that I would have like done a yoga teacher training had I not 
just been so like immersed in it. Yeah. And it took me a while to realize this actually feels bad. I don't like this. I mean, it's even more disappointing, right? Because you had a relationship there. You wanted to take the next steps. It deteriorated. So like I did, and I'll get back to some aspects of the training, but I did the training. I mean, basically the owner of the studio who trained us said something like, I don't hire new teachers. Mm -hmm. And this was said like towards the end of the training. Mm -hmm. Um, Eventually there were auditions held. So there were, there were also community classes that we were like in a rotation, Mm -hmm. but there were a horrible time. Nobody really came and there wasn't really much support around it. At least I didn't feel support. There were people that did get support. And after auditions were held, the people that did end up getting hired were the people that I found to be just not very nice mm. all the time. And I'll get into some of that as well. I got lucky. I teach at Crunch, which is a gym environment. Mm-hmm. And the power yoga base that I do have does work there because people are coming in for a workout. But I've also had to like unlearn all of this and then re-educate myself along with like the trauma-informed teacher training about what kind of teacher I wanted to be and how I want to teach and how I want to sequence. So it's been a lot of work on my end, but I got lucky that I kind of knew I wasn't going to get hired at that studio. Mm -hmm. I just didn't feel like the place that I was going to be. Yeah. And eventually I just stopped going. And the thing that was sort of upsetting about that is like, I'd been there all the time and then I stopped going and like, nobody checks in to say like, Hey, like we noticed you haven't been here. Are you okay? And then when COVID hit, the studio was offering a daily virtual class that I did do for a little while because I needed something. And it was just the owner of the studio that was doing them. No other teachers were asked to do it. And I actually hadn't taken this particular person's class in a really long time because the style just didn't work for me anymore. And then someone else said, hey, this other teacher is actually teaching on Zoom as well, who is a much, who has like just more my style. It's a little bit more gentle and like still power yoga, but not like drill sergeant style. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And I got really upset that this person who had like brought this other teacher into my life wasn't saying, hey, you can also find these other teachers you like in other places. So I stopped going to those classes. And then the thing that was actually the final straw for me was when the Black Lives Matter movement was really taking off after the George Floyd murder, they posted nothing, like nothing. And then Black teacher that I had never seen or heard of ever suddenly was on the teaching schedule. Mm-hmm. It felt sort of icky. And I don't know that teacher. I don't, you know, I, it's absolutely nothing against that person. I just thought it was a little icky. And then the other thing was during, you know, when things were still locked down, gyms were not open yet. Yoga studios were not allowed to open yet. The owner had posted something about small businesses suffering where they were giving just like sort of a nasty look to like a cutout of Andrew Cuomo's head. And I'm just sitting there thinking like people are still dying. The people in your community have lost people. So that was the final straw. I just unfollowed. And then it turned out other people were starting to sort of like come out of the haze around that time as well. And there is actually a support group that I'm in (laughs) 
mm. on Facebook for people who are like formally associated with this school of yoga. Oh my um, goodness. Yeah, okay. yeah. And it actually has turned out to be a very helpful space. I was going to say, I'm glad you have support. Yeah, it's nice. So, yeah, let's let's go back a little yes, bit because I know we were getting into the training. And yeah. I just wanted, just for people who didn't realize, you know, or might think, okay, what about sharing that, mm-hmm. you know, the pressure to share in yeah. those settings is really high, you know, and, and there's also a kind of weird pressure sometimes to go like share deeper than the mm-hmm. next person, right? It's like the trauma Olympics, we sometimes call it. Yeah. And then I just wanted to point out to one other thing as well, which is that, you know, something we talk about in the training, in the trauma training, yeah. is that hearing about other people's trauma experiences. So hearing recounts, which we never recommend never recommend actually that people that you know yoga practitioners share those in the space of a yoga class where yeah. there's not a counselor there's not a therapist you're simply a yoga teacher because those recountings can trigger other people mm-hmm. so even if the person sharing is okay right and and even if we can say oh they had agency others listening to that can be triggered by hearing about violence and oppression and whatnot so totally not something you want to be doing unless you know you're really a therapist and <laughs> and even then but in so in thinking about the trend like leading up to our conversation there were three particular stories that came to mind that I will share if that's cool so well one of the other things I wanted to point out is that there was never really any room for a modified practice because mm. you're practicing a lot when you're in these trainings And I just remember, so this was one of the things like so vividly, I was in half pigeon and I had like a cramp in my foot. So I untucked my toes. We were told our toes were supposed to be tucked in half pigeon, the back toes, which I don't agree with. You should do what feels good. Yeah. I had a cramp in my foot. So I untucked my toes and then I hear the facilitator call me out loudly by name, like Michelle Lehrman, tuck your back toes. Like no room for any sort of taking care of your body at any point. It didn't matter. I didn't even have an opportunity to say, hey, I'm actually like there's a cramp that I'm trying to deal with. And that just feels bad. It's like your body can do what your body can do, especially if you're on like if you're on a a three day weekend training and you're on the last day, like you're tired, you're exhausted. The other thing that happened a lot in practice is we had hands-on assistance and I never took like full week-long programs with the Baptiste Institute because I could not afford them. If I could have, I absolutely would have taken those programs. I'm very grateful that at the time I was not able to, but I did take a couple of the smaller programs and I actually became an assistant before I did a teacher training. And the way that they do this, it's hands-on assisting. You go around the room basically in a typewriter fashion and you touch everybody in the room. You assist them in poses. There was never an opportunity. Some studios do have like little cards or stones or something that you can put on your mat if you do not want to be touched. Mm -hmm. But in these situations, like a student would have to say to you, please don't touch me. That that I imagine can feel embarrassing. So this is actually the thing I feel worst about, like looking back is all the people I touched without their consent, without getting to know their body, like if there was something going on in their body. 
So we also had the hands-on assistants that were in our rooms as well. And sometimes it's like when you're in, you're just around so many people in the training, there's not a lot of downtime. There were days I just did not want to be touched. And there were also some of the assistants who I felt did not have like a loving touch. Like it felt very self-serving at times. And I don't touch anybody anymore unless I'm teaching somebody privately. We have had a full discussion about what's going on in their body or very rarely at crunch. If I have a small group, I'll put them in child's pose so nobody can see. If you don't want to be touched, raise your hand. Gives people the opportunity to do that. But so just like the calling out and the non-consensual touch were one of the things that I just... Even now, I, I I practice in a very modified way, and my like that's just what feels good in my body. And you know, we don't even say modified; we don't consider it modified. Right. You know, it's just practice. It's just practice. Yeah, it's, there's no one right way or perfect way to look yeah. in a pose. I mean, that's a very right. outward, superficial idea of Absolutely. yoga that you would look at the form and try to copy the form, mm-hmm. which takes us out of our bodies, right? right? We want to be listening to our bodies. Right. So even w- like now when I teach and I do teach at a yoga studio, like a real, like beautiful, like lovely, like yoga and Reiki space in Astoria. When I teach anywhere, I say at the beginning of class, I tend not to demonstrate if I do move with you, the way it looks in my body is not right. It is not wrong. It's just how it's showing up in my body right now. And I wish like I'd had more people say that to me. Like my body is not the blueprint. It's just what it looks like in my body. And you got to listen to your own. Speaking of listening to bodies, that brings me to the second story I wanted to tell. So we had to do a certain number of our practice hours with the facilitators. There were two facilitators. And one of the facilitators traveled quite a bit, which made it very difficult to get those hours. And I think it was like 20 hours that we had to practice with these two teachers. And so what they would do sometimes, we would have our sessions on Friday night and they would sometimes say, if you would like to come in an hour early on Saturday, which would have been 7am, we will give you an hour of facilitator practice before the day begins. But the caveat was absolutely everybody had to agree. Everybody had to show up. If even one person said no, they wouldn't do it. So there was one week I had been so sick the entire week. I stayed home from work. I had done everything I possibly could to be okay to go to training over the weekend. And that night they said, do you want to practice Saturday morning? And I said, I like, I raised my hand and I said, I am still really not feeling well. I really just, I I can't do it. Like if, if I'm going to be in this training tomorrow, I, I need every single minute of sleep I can get. And this, the facilitator that was there, it wasn't both of them just stood there while all of these people just like openly berated me for saying, I need to take care of my body. In the end, so we everyone got to say their piece. I was sitting there crying. So we finally put it to a vote. Everybody else votes yes. I raise my hand for no. And before we leave, the facilitator put us in noble silence, which is not what that's for. Whoa. So I had to 
lived in silence, could not be comforted by the few people who were showing kindness. And I will tell you, like the, the people that were the meanest to me that night are the people that ended up getting hired at that studio. Oh my God. Yeah. Um, so there was no, like, I can't believe that they wouldn't have said, it's okay for you to stay home. We'll still do it for everybody else. Take care of yourself. We'll see you at 8am when we start. Like, I can't believe that one person, it wasn't like I was sitting there saying like, no, I don't want to do that. I was saying, I need, I like, I have to rest my body so that I can participate in this training. Yeah. So that's, that was really, that was an upsetting experience. That was, yeah, that, that's the thing that really stands out as, ooh, this should not have been allowed to happen. It sounds like there was a lot of shaming, a lot of kind of, mm-hmm. I mean, I want to say like cult energy, like. Oh, it absolutely has cult energy. So now that I like have this support group, we're all constantly like watching cult documentaries and listening to those. I've gotten like very obsessed with cult documentaries. Yeah. Just because looking back, I'm like, how did I not see this? When you're in it, when you're super involved, it's, it, you know, it's hindsight is very 2020. I just can't believe that I was okay. Like not, I mean, not okay with it, but that no, I you can't see it, you know, when you're in it. You, yeah. you can't because you're in it and yeah. everyone is the same. And so it's like, you kind of look around, you're like, okay, everyone else seems okay with this. So yeah. it was a just, lot of pressure. It felt like so abusive that this, mm. I mean, even if they weren't going to offer the practice, even if like it really did need to be everybody, this facilitator could have said, we have a participant that needs to take care of her body everybody enjoy the extra hour of sleep. We will offer yeah. it another time instead yeah. of letting people like stand there and yell at me. I think about it constantly. Oh, Michelle. Yeah. yeah. And then the other specific thing I wanted to mention is eluding me at the moment. <laughs> so okay. I'm sure it will come back to me, but even like the, so the test we took at the end was a lot of just writing down the correct order of the journey into power sequence, writing down things about Baptist methodology. So I've really had to go back and learn how to teach yoga outside of that environment. Yeah. What I'm hearing is like, it's very, this is the method. Mm -hmm. You follow the method. You know, this is the teacher that knows everything. Mm -hmm. One person at the top. One person at the top. And if you want to te- do it, teach it right, you're following this. Mm-hmm. So they're, from the beginning, they're setting you up with, um, you know, there's there's no space to question, which is what mm-hmm. we know is very dangerous. You know, if you're watching cold documentaries, oh, yeah. you know, you know they're, <laughs> that's what it is. They're setting you up for that with that authority, you know, yeah. exact opposite of what we do at the trauma-informed right. yoga teacher training. I mean, I, I, when I, and, and, you know, uh, the training that I lead is not a full 200 hours. So people have to have a 200 hour first yeah. to come in. Um, but you know, that it, I, I often say I'm about to, we're basically going to do unlearning. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you spent your 200 hour learning how to stand in front and tell people this is the way it's done. And, right. you know, we're actually learning how to be in a place of beginner mindset and curiosity mm-hmm. and, you know, I, I've been thinking back to what you said too, about like the word salad and, 
in, you know, how little time was spent on anatomy and something feels like they were kind of, in a way, they're trying to disorient you. And well, I'm, sh- I'm, I'm sure. Yeah. And they would say things like there are things they would say, like you have the, you have to break down in order to break through. Oh, no, that is really <laughs> a bad one. That got said a lot. Um, friends listening, if you hear that, run. Run. It is not true. They actually said that stuff to us at, at um in my BFA for theater. Like oh, anyone yeah. that's like trying to break you down. No, no. Um, oh, okay. I remember the other thing. Yeah. So this was part of the Seva, the community experience. They were the reason for what we had to do was I think they wanted us to understand that people come to yoga for any kind of reasons and we needed to go and just see what some people are. Basically, I had to choose a meeting, like an AA meeting or an NA meeting, and just go sit and listen in a place where I did not need to be. I had no business being and to write about the experience. And so I went, I found a Narcotics Anonymous meeting that I had time to go to that fit into my schedule. And I went and sat in this meeting and they said, don't speak, don't say why you're there, just listen. But there were only like three or four other people at this meeting. So it was very uncomfortable. I did end up sharing with them why I was there, but it was like, I can't believe there's no reason for us to be doing things like that, to walk into a space that is vital for someone because I'm trying to understand why people come to yoga and what people are going through when there is zero mental health being discussed anyway. Yeah. That I had forgotten about until I, I took the book out. Again, I think it's one of those things that I just kind of pushed away because I felt really icky about being there. Mm. Yeah. Like, why do we need to go out into the community? And like, I just felt like I was using them. So... Yeah, those are the types of behaviors, ton of forced sharing, trauma bonding, you know, the methodology forcing you to practice sometimes like five hours in a day, depending on what was going on. That is another tactic, Yeah, you know, kind of tiring you out, wearing you down. Mm -hmm. You know, you can't really think straight under that. You really can't. And then the other yeah. thing I'll say, and I don't know if this is a, this isn't really a, this training specific thing. And I don't know if it's a solvable thing in other trainings, but what I found is that this training left me with a complete blind spot in, tra- in teaching beginners mm-hmm. because everybody in the room knew exactly what was going on. The first time I taught a public class, I realized I've never had to talk anyone into getting like I've never had to talk anybody into a warrior one. They just knew what it was. Yeah. Yeah. I find this is a common problem with the trainings because the yoga teachers are teaching other yoga teachers. Right. So they're just like, you know, get into downward dog where, you know, you might be teaching someone that that doesn't know how to do that or that physically can't make the same shapes that these longtime practitioners that are now turning to be teachers can make. Mm-hmm. So, right. you know, you're really not working with a real population. No, you're, you know, most of the trainings, whatever kind of information they're giving, you know, these yoga teacher training trainees on how to teach beginners is like, and I hear so often from 
you know, beginner first time yoga students, they go to mm-hmm. a, a class labeled beginner. It's not beginner. It's yeah. not beginner. And this is a big problem that we have. And, and it discourages so many people from, you know, from practicing yoga because they just feel they walk into this class. It was supposed to be beginner. Everyone already knows what they're doing. Yeah. And it just does not feel welcoming to beginners. I know when I had my studio, we had like a big rule about this, like mm-hmm. keeping the beginner level, like super, super beginner. Mm-hmm. We used to try to tell some of our students, like you're, we created a beginner plus. Yeah. <laughs> like, Cause we, some people do not want to leave beginner class. We're like, okay, we need, you know, you're not really beginner. Let's move you along yeah. um, and I make do, some space for other newbies. Yeah. Sure. What I really like about the studio I teach at in Astoria is that they, the classes are very accurately labeled yeah. and described. Oh, um, you teach actually, at a wonderful studio. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> and I'm proud of it. So I'll say it's called Sacred Space Astoria. Yeah. It's in Astoria, Queens. And um, it is owned by a lovely person named Kim who has, it's, it's just really nice. And like, I know it's a nice place to work because I've seen her defend a teacher to a client. Yeah. And it's, I, I feel that that's a rare thing where the client was very much in the wrong and it wasn't a situation where the client is always right. She very calmly explained, here's why this is actually not the teacher's fault. Yeah. And so that's really nice. And I actually texted her this morning when I was feeling very triggered about looking through my teaching manual hmm. and she had some very nice things to say and, you know, here are some things to do. Do you have like something nice planned for yourself for the evening after you have that conversation so you can feel okay? So everybody should find a studio like that both to work at and to practice in. That's, that genuinely does feel safe. Absolutely. And uh, they are one of the, there's some out there. There are some. (laughs) They are really a special one. Um, I did a a book event there. Mm -hmm. got to know about them. So a, yeah. a great space for folks who are near Astoria. Yeah. And then I will also say like, even at Crunch, like the yogis are great. The group fitness managers are great. There's a lot of freedom in like what and how I teach and like it attracts good, like great students come into class. And it, it I, I just can't, I have a very hard time with like the boutique studios that yeah. are like a very specific type of yoga. Yeah. So what would we say, yeah, for, you know, for folks who've been through an experience like this or, you know, it sounds like you were able to find some people to talk to through this support group. And it was only because people started bravely making posts on social media. I didn't realize there were other people at that studio that were having the same experience as me. Yeah. So the first thing I would say is you're probably not alone. I know that I was perhaps upsetting some people because the first time I made a public post, I did get blocked or at least limited by certain accounts so that I couldn't tag things or even see some things. (laughs) Yeah. And if that's how you're going to acknowledge things, then that's fine. I must be saying something that you're afraid of if you're going to do that. That's right. But I also didn't go, like, I've been very gracious in that, like, you know, I don't mention names. Like, I'm not actively, like, on a tirade 
against them. But if somebody asks me about my experience, I will not be holding back. And so when I have students sometimes ask me where I trained, I just say to them, you know what, it actually wasn't a great experience. And it's not a place I would recommend. I don't tell them where I trained. And I don't badmouth anything. The advice I give to people is just do so much research. That was why I felt comfortable doing the training with you. I did the research. You know, look at reviews, do a deep dive on social media. If there's something going on, there's probably people talking about it. You might have to dig a little bit, but, and you can also, I think, tell when there's just like one person's like independent bad experience versus the house is falling down. Mm-hmm. And ask questions like beforehand, you know, well, how do you, well, what's your response when students want to do things differently? You know, mm-hmm. how are you teaching to different body types and different, right. you know, different abilities? And what is your definition of yoga? Something we talk a lot about yeah. in the trauma-informed teaching is how do you even define this thing called yoga, right? Right. So you, you know, before they get your money, you know, because that that's when, <laughs> you know, um, see if you can get some information and shop Do research, around. Take yeah. classes, ask a thousand questions. Yeah. And even, even then, it's yeah. not your fault, you know, if you end up in a training like this and you do find it's not all you hoped because it's not your fault. We We can't possibly vet every single space. And right. if, if someone is selling themselves as a true yogi and then behaving in ways that aren't, that's, you know, that's not your fault. And what you're experiencing is real and valid. And obviously there's others out there. Like I said to you, Michelle, a lot of people have come to me. Mm-hmm. Folks, if you're thinking it's just you, no, Michelle. It's I not, both. it's not. Yeah, <laughs> we know a lot of these stories. You know, you can definitely reach out to me, of course, in, in response mm-hmm. to this episode. I think there's going to be a big response. I hope so. I mean, yeah. and I'm, I am active on Instagram. I would be so happy to just tell you you're not alone. The other thing I would say to people who are looking for training is do not do a virtual 200 hour. Mm. There's so much nuance. And I know studios did start doing this during lockdown because that is how they make a lot of their money, I think. But there's so much nuance. Yeah. Unless it's a very like spread out, a lot of video. I would just be, be mindful about where you train and how you train. I do think being in person is important wherever possible. I do too. Especially for the 200 hour. I do think... There are other modules that absolutely work just fine. But if you're just learning, I think I would just be just be very careful about where where you go. Yeah, I think, you know, the 20 hour trauma informed teacher training is meant to be like an addendum and add on. Absolutely. And you even said that at the beginning, you already need to have a 200 hour but for that first 200 hour, you know, you need to be seeing really bodies in the room yeah. and hearing people's breath and seeing things about their pupils and their skin mm-hmm. tone, their, uh, where their eyes are going in the room. There's, you know, there's so much information that yeah. you want to be starting to pick up about their nervous systems that you can't really get through the screen. Um, that's going to make you that excellent yoga teacher. Yeah. It's really being able to see actually what's happening with folks. If they're mm-hmm. feeling triggered, if they're feeling um, stretched, you know, if they're able to self-regulate all those, that's what we're really yeah. doing in yoga. So Absolutely. you want to be in the room. <laughs> yeah. Be in the room unless, yeah, they're, they're, like I said, the trauma-informed yoga teacher training, I think 
worked beautifully virtually, just as like a 20 hour addendum. There's a studio in Beach Haven, New Jersey that I practice at when I am on vacation with my family that has really good vibes. I really like all the teachers and I'm hoping to do their prenatal module, which will be a virtual thing. That's a training I've been saying I want to do for a while. But uh, again, I'm just so careful about where I train. And so I've been in that space. I've worked with, I've practiced with those teachers. I feel very comfortable taking information from them. Wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. And then the other thing I think I just wanted to point out, Michelle, that, that you know, your teachers told you in preparing for the conversation and that we've kind of alluded to is, you know, checking on how resourced you are. So we Mm -hmm. kind of talked about it a bunch in this conversation. It's like some days we have more capacity, Mm -hmm. you know, we can handle people that aren't (laughs) maybe acting in the best. (laughs) We can handle um, challenging situations. And some days, you know, we're tired and we don't have capacity for that. And you know, part of the yoga process is is identifying that and then being able to speak to that. And then also knowing what are my resources for when mm-hmm. I'm off balance. And that was a great recommendation from your studio to, you know, knowing that you had this conversation, having your water, having something mm-hmm. pleasant scheduled for after. Maybe yeah. it's the burning of your manual. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I'm not going to do it in my tiny New York apartment. Okay. But <laughs> my parents actually do have a fire pit and I'm going there on Sunday and I might bring it with me. I like it. I like it. I mean, that's yeah. symbolic. It might be very powerful for you. It might be. <laughs> There's nothing in here that I like the actual information in it. I can get from other resources if I need it. Yeah. But like I said, I haven't picked up this manual in like six years and it was a triggering experience to pick it up. Doesn't Um, sound like something you want to keep around. Yeah, but I'm going to I'm going to take care of myself. I actually teach spin also. And tonight I'm teaching a spin class that's all share music. Oh, right. I don't know how you could have a bad time at that. And get and your sweat just, out. <laughs> yeah, and then I'm just going to have a very hot shower and I'm going to cuddle with the dog. Mm. Yeah. And uh, it's going to be okay. <laughs> well, good for you for taking, you know, control of your process of becoming a, a stronger yoga teacher, recognizing the gaps that were in your training and seeking mm-hmm. to fill them and being a voice of such honesty yeah. coming on this platform which isn't easy to share our stories. And I know this is going to help a lot of people that, you know, want to come forward or that are questioning what happened to them, if it was Mm -hmm. real, why they feel that way. And, you know, no one should make you touch others or get adjustments without consent. And again, consent is a very blurry thing when power dynamics are a certain way in the room. So just because you said yes, if there was someone in the room that could have got you in trouble or embarrassed you for saying no, right. then you know it's not your fault if you said yes and you didn't really want to mm-hmm. have that adjustment or give that adjustment. So I remember in that first, so there were two programs. I don't know if they, I think they have different names now, but there was Art of Assisting and Advanced Art of Assisting. And in the first program, they did say the only, like you should never touch somebody if you have like feelings of anger towards them mm. or if you are like sexually attracted to them. Which so, what are you going to do? Like, I know. When, when you're um, in the room, right? 
But the thing about anger is like, I did feel anger towards some of these people. Yeah. And there's no room to say I can't assist this particular person because then somehow it becomes my fault. Or I have to go into inquiry about why I don't want to touch this person. That's what I mean, right? When it's actually for their benefit. This is not that I'm going to physically harm someone, but you can feel that energy. Yeah. And putting it like that, right? So if you, if you dare to not assess someone, right? You're outing yourself as having anger or attraction to someone. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's ridiculous, right? Mm-hmm. And then they're going to want to write, like you said, go into your, you know, your personal stuff and do this yeah. whole embarrassing inquiry. No, this is not not right. It's not. And it, it really took me a long time to like come to terms with it because I was all in at the time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you've had that space and time, Michelle, and and I'm glad you're part of you know my world and the three and a half acres yoga community. You you've certainly grown from this experience and blossomed. Oh, absolutely, into a, a wonderful. Um, I think the most beneficial thing I got from you was languaging. Mm. I mean, the whole program was beneficial, but just like I taught classes that weekend and immediately adjusted how I say certain things. Yeah. And it felt like ways of saying things that had never like, like invitational language was yeah. not ever part of anything I learned. And I really like that. Thank you for sharing that. And yeah, and we always say there's, if you just take one little thing like that, yeah. it can really shift the space. Right? It really can. I go from telling you to inviting you, inviting you into inquiry to curiously moving and practicing together. And it's, it reframes the entire thing mm-hmm. and the practice becomes something so much more interesting and based in this, you know, self-knowledge and learning. And, and then you don't have to know it all, right? As you don't yeah, have to pretend exactly. you know it all. Um, and we as teachers can also relax a bit um, and, you know, and be in that unknowing that the practitioner is the one that is the expert on their bodies and what mm-hmm. they need that day. So I just love that. Michelle, if people want to practice with you, if they want to get to know you a little more, um, where can they find you? So I am in New York City. I teach at a few locations uh, for Crunch. I teach at Sacred Space Astoria. During the pandemic, I started teaching outside and I'll do that again when it gets nice out. All the information is on my website, which is michellelerman.com. And it's L-E-H-R-M-A-N. Michelle has two L's. And that's me. And we'll link that in the show notes. So it'll be easy for people. (laughs) Thank you so much for inviting me to talk about my experience. I really do hope this is helpful to anybody. It, It certainly will be. Thank you so much for being here, Michelle. All right. I'll talk to you probably tomorrow. (laughs) As we buzz around the busy world, it becomes clear there are billions of paths. As we buzz around the busy world, we will appear in other people's photographs. As we speed through the centuries, we will collide and the light will bend. We will be accidentally immortalized in someone else's land.